Hello, hello, hello. What's going on out there, Beatle people? Hi, Beatle people. Welcome to Ranking the Beatles. I am Jonathan. I'm Julia. And uh, we have a really fun little show for you today. How's it going over there, beautiful co-host? Uh, pretty good today. Yeah? The huge did some work, and now we are settled into your little music cave to do some recording. Back in the studio. Back in the studio. Back in the old, the old rock chamber. Yes. Ready to do another, another swinging episode. Surrounded by various musical instruments. It's true. This is where the glory happens. It's where the rock happens. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I hope everyone out there is doing well today. This is uh, episode number uh, number seven, I believe, on the big list. Um, if you're new to our show and this is your first time, what we do is uh, during the quarantine. I ranked 223 songs by the Beatles and um, put them in an in order of my own personal least to most favorites. And um, we're talking about it with other musicians and writers and creative people and friends um, and just having a good old time. To catch you up to speed with where we are so far, at number 223, we had Dich. I'm getting better at German. Are you? Komm, gib mir deine Hand. I would like a German's perspective on if your German is getting better or worse. If you're German or you speak German, <laughs> shoot us an email. Or let me know. Um, so, yeah, 223, Silip Dich. 222 is, come give me a dying hand. Oh. Uh, 221 is Mr. Moonlight. And that brings us to today's show, which we will tell you about soon. Our guest today is the bassist and singer for New Orleans' own Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes, who were described uh, in Rolling Stone magazine, no less, by David Frick as what you would get if Fish had been born at Tipitina's and studied under George Clinton and Frank Zappa late every night on the levee. Hold, please. Repeat that. Okay. <laughs> Slowly, because that's amazing. If Fish, uh-huh. the band Fish, Fish, had been born at Tipitina's. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Tipitina's is a music club here in New Orleans, named for a song by Professor Longhair. Um... If Fish had been born at Tipitina's and studied under George Clinton uh-huh. and Frank Zappa okay. late every night on the levee. Oh, that's a really specific comparison. I've seen Johnny Sketch a number of times, and that's not what I would have thought. But I'm also not a writer for Rolling Stone. So, true. So there you go. You haven't seen the shit that David Frick has seen. <laughs> that is true, because David Frick is a phenomenal journalist. <laughs> no, no lie. Big respect. Um, He's also, not David Frick, but our guest today, uh, is also the bassist and singer in New Orleans Beatles tribute band, The Walrus, which I happen to be in. Of which you are a founding member. No, I am not. They were around before I was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, whoops. Shows what I know. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm a replacement, as always. Whoops. Um, And he is also a bass instructor. So if you want to learn to play bass... You should holler at him on the interwebs because he's given lessons over Zoom because it's what we do in 2020 and beyond. So joining us on the show today, ladies and gentlemen, Dave Pomerlow. Hey, hey everybody. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing really well. I'm Good to see to you. be here. I think this is awesome. I, I love the idea, John. Thanks, man. Glad to, glad to have you here. Um, a brief history for those who don't know. Um, a few years ago, when McCartney was on tour and canceled a bunch of shows, he'd gotten sick in Japan, canceled some U.S. dates. One of those shows was here in New Orleans. Every musician in town had tickets and suddenly had the night off. So a McCartney tribute show was organized in about two weeks of all these musicians. I got um, asked to play guitar and went in and ended up meeting Dave and Andre um, yeah, who, we hadn't met before that. Yeah, we hadn't met at that point. Andre is the drummer in Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. And um, quickly, we were all like, oh, nerd recognizes nerd. <laughs> like, game recognizes game. Um, and they had been doing uh, some a Beatles tribute thing called The Walrus for a while, like off and on. And um, at some point, it, we kind of just said, like, 
would you like to do this together? And uh, so now we play Beatles songs together. And uh, we have a damn good time with it. And Dave is the bassist in our group. And uh, it's fun. We have a good, a good time doing it. So Yeah, man. And we can just fly. I mean, you know, you have such a, a intimate knowledge of these songs where, you know, when you're in a cover band, you don't want to spend too much time. Like the songs are already already recorded, so mm-hmm. we're able to just constantly <clears throat> play new stuff, and it's just it's awesome when you have a bunch of nerds right <laughs> for the band. It just makes it so easy and fun, you know. Now, is is everybody in in Johnny Sketch trained music in in like in a uh, classical sense? I don't. So originally, we all yeah, we all met at Loyola, and it was basically we were all doing classical, which was kind of unusual mm-hmm. um through the years we've gotten new members and like sage our saxophone player i'm not sure that she's classically trained right but um you know it kind of started as andre classical pianist playing the drums mark classical cellist playing the guitar and then me i just i want i just wanted to be in a rock band and <laughs> playing classical bass was the closest thing to that Nice. You know, I started I started at North Texas doing jazz and I was way out of my element. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it, it was freaky. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so classical was more, it, you know, I was big on like prog rock and kind of very technical stuff. And classical is great for that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's fast and it's technique focused and all that. So, uh, you know. That's, That's how I kind of got into it at Loyola and then and then immediately met Mark and Harry and Andre and then it, it kind of went from there. I wouldn't expect a, uh, a large uh, population of jazz musicians in North Texas. That's surprising to me. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so random. It's this town, Denton, <clears throat> Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very well known for their jazz program. They have these these lab bands. The one o'clock is the best the best guys and then the two o'clock jazz band is the next level and i remember you know i i I came up my my uh bass playing i start i was playing rush and 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 i love flea and the chili peppers and i love pearl jam and i get to the dorms at north texas and these dudes are in their dorm rooms like oh you can't come in here this is like the the advanced guys in in the dorm room just playing for fun (laughs) and there was immediately this really snobby kind of hierarchy and it was such a turn off yeah oh. you're like i um, want to rock i want to rock yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um so it kind of i was you know i thought classical was a little closer to what i wanted to do but yeah it really i was all rock mm-hmm. i never was interested in the higher higher forms of of music <laughs> you know i wanted to to get down and dirty i guess i like it i like it um so one of the first things i like to ask our guests on here uh how did you first discover beatles music how did they first come into your orbit yeah so um uh i was one of the people that thought they were overrated growing up and i I didn't know them very well it was like i knew all the the sound you know i'd hear it in the background and just be like oh it's one of those old bands (laughs) <laughs> and 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 like I said, I was very into into technical stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, when I was in high school, I had no patience for easy pop music. You know, I wanted everything to be difficult to play and all that. And uh, oh god, I don't remember how. I think Darcy Malone she suggested that we we cover. Um, I love you, woo 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 woo, cause you tell me things I want to know. Love what is that, that called? Uh, Ask I can't me why. Think of the title of it. Ask uh, right. me why. Yeah. And and I just remember how how tight the harmonies were, and it, it was the first time I kind of really listened to the Beatles. I thought that was a cool tune, and then I heard "When I'm 64," and it was such a great it 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 sounded like what he was trying to evoke. You know, mm-hmm. even though it, it was a, an album from the on an album from the '60s, it was evoking much older music. And I just remember how pure Paul's voice sounded to me, and like that clarinet on the—I think it's a clarinet. 
I don't think it's an oboe. Um, yeah, I think it's clarinet. Yeah. And just I loved how sparse it was. And, you know, there's not like a drummer going cymbals, bass, you know, like the mm-hmm. whole Ringo has such this great style and just the space and the music. And it really it was from, you know, after when I'm 64, I really love that song. And then just song by song and album by album, I fell head over heels. And I was like 21, 22, never, t- never dug them before. Wow. And I just fell face first for like three years. I listened to nothing but the Beatles. I mean, I really immersed myself just because I felt like I needed to play catch up. Right. I felt so ho- I felt horrible that I felt <laughs> they were overrated. I was like, what was I? You know, I was I, I felt like such an idiot. And it's very much, you know, I loved the way, and you can hear this with Johnny Sketch, that every song is its own story, its own genre of music. Mm-hmm. It's it's every song is is its own little world, you know. And then and the next song is nothing like the previous song, and I right. really dug that because <laughs> you know you listen to Pearl Jam and and it's like it's a sound, and you listen mm-hmm. the music I came up with like. The the radio pop and it, it was a sound and you know even the whole the record's going to lo- sound similar yeah right right and 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 I just I couldn't believe that every song was so different and the instrumentation was so different and um you know I think another band is it Ween I think Ween does a good job with mm-hmm. that it's, it's like every song is its own little it's it's just i I never thought like that i thought i thought bands had a sound and they just they that's what they sounded like so it it was really fun i I really it's not an understatement to say i like fell head over heels for them because every song i discovered and fell in love with was like this new sound you know Mm -hmm. it was it was and it was kind of cool to not to ignore it my whole life and then just immerse for a few years that's pretty great you know, too because it, I, I feel like a lot of people like it's hard for me to re- like i can remember the first time i heard the beatles or like mm. the first time i re- registered what it was but i don't necessarily remember the feeling but right. i feel like when that happens in your 20s you can remember like that whole situation you're a little older yeah because you you were into the beat you grew up with the beatles and loving the beatles is yeah that, is that mm-hmm. right I yeah think i remember yeah i got so, into uh, it you know uh, so i think there's something to say for that and and look if i had appreciated them when i started playing music i think my my bass playing would have gone a completely different way you mm-hmm. know it's just it's just there's no right way to do it it's just it's just the way it happened and uh yeah, it, it was it was really cool to kind of discover it song by song and album by album. And like you say, be mature enough to really I already had somewhat of a musical vocabulary, but nothing could prepare. I mean, I just was floored by how tight the songs were. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that as such a rock guy, you're like stumbling into falling in love with the Beatles is when I'm 64. When Just I like what are, I know. the juxtaposition of that <laughs> is, and I'm not making fun of you at all. Like I absolutely no, love it. I, I think it's I, I, sweet and precious and darling. And I love every second of it. And I love the story. <laughs> well, you, you have to understand that I also had a soft spot for like, you know, I was, I was of the age where like when Aladdin came out and like, the little mermaid and when disney was having that kind of like 90s radio ballads kind of moment i just i just love like sweet songs yeah and it's such a sweet song it's such a sweet and and paul's voice i mean i don't know that you can top paul's voice it's just so pure and the way it's the record is produced and recorded Mm -hmm. there's not a lot going on in the song so it's like you can hear him so clearly and so that was like, God, I mean, I could talk, I, we may not get to PS I love you because that was, <laughs> that was the, the, okay. So let me just say, if y'all don't mind me going off a tangent, that obviously I was like, Oh, well, Paul's the best Beatle. Like he just, these songs are so tight and his voice is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get that creeping feeling that like, Ooh, his lyrics aren't really super meaningful. It seems like John is really, the one that's super deep. So I'm like, Oh shit, John's got these crazy songs, glass onion. And he's really talking about some deep shit. And Paul's just kind of like writing these, he's in love. 
right. He just loves songs and then he makes up these dumb characters. So I've like switched <laughs> to John. And then and then eventually after, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, oh, George is obviously the best Beatle. Like <laughs> he was the he was the slowest one to mature, but when he did mature, he had the entire package. Yeah. You know, it I think something and here comes the sun or like the culmination of uh, of of what he did. So it, it was cool to like go from Paul, like just, you know, thinking it was a foregone conclusion. Oh, Paul's the best one. These songs are <laughs> obviously the best. And then you kind of go along that, that journey of like, of like the best Beatles, or right. whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, now I got to say George's early songs, they really, I don't like them. Yeah. How, some of them, how I, far I shouldn't in, say all of them. How far in does it take for, for that page to turn for you like rubber soul revolver i'm not big on love you too i think he was just working up to within you without you mm-hmm. um I, I think tax man is an incredible song i think maybe revolver is where he really started to go uh rubber soul he it's cool watching him grow whereas paul and john just seem to just seem to almost be you know those songs were very simple in the beginning but they were also the ps i love you perfect example you know it sounds like a very there's part of it that sounds like kind of a generic little love pop 60 song but there's there's elements of it lurking under the surface yeah yeah, i mean it's just so sophisticated in in some ways okay you're gonna have to explain that to me because i'm not getting that from this song (laughs) okay we'll get we'll get to it we'll we'll, we'll get to it we'll we'll get to it um one more question before we get ready (laughs) (laughs) guys dave has feelings (laughs) what all right so he does have feelings um so i guess one more before we get into it uh how and you've kind of touched on a little bit um, but how would you say, as a musician, the Beatles have impacted your work? Yeah, they they took me, they really brought me out of that, like, you know, I started with, like, that Russian dream theater stuff, and, when, and then even, you know, when you go the, to the next level, jazz and classical are just as kind of, high-minded and complex and all this and then the and then the Beatles I was like oh my god this is so it's just it's hard to imagine a a world without them I think when you when you grew up during their time you can appreciate more what they what they did to music Mm -hmm. you know and with our generation it's like the reason i took them for granted or i thought they were overrated is because they were just there and and i just thought that they were there but you take them out and it changes everything right so i think being able to write these these short songs but again the the instrumentation is different in everyone the production is different in everyone you the 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 vibe the the groove, you know, it's like it, it, every song has its own personality. So it really took me out of the realm of like technicality mm-hmm. and into the realm of songwriting. I, I uh, that was absolutely the, the, the turning point for me where I'm like, Oh, songs are where it's at. It's not playing scales really fast. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's not that interesting, you know? So I would say that. And then, and then there was the added benefit of Paul being just in, such a great bass player mm-hmm. and and um you know the reason i loved the bass players that i loved is because they laid down the groove very well but they were also melodic you right. know i think getty lee uh, say what you want about his voice but like <laughs> he toes the line his his bass lines are very you know they're complex but they're very you know groove oriented yeah um and and paul absolutely does that too he he's very you know he's he can be really busy um oh yeah you know the the there's certain you know so i want you on abbey road like the end of it when they're just repeating repeating that sl- slow i i still say that's the heavy that's the that's like the heaviest beatles song hands down i don't care about helter skelter i want you is black metal <laughs> yeah that, that is. really is like uh, some kind of like norwegian death metal Totally. Like doom totally. metal type you, thing, if, precursor. And so if you listen to him like on the later parts of that that repeating 
you know, chord progression at the end, he just starts He's all going, over. Yeah. going nuts. It's so fun, you know? I love it. Excellent. So I think, yeah, as a musician, it's like the songwriting thing. I appreciated that you could really be unique uh, just writing short songs. Mm-hmm. And then, and then obviously with Paul's bass playing, it, <clears throat> that was, it kind of, kind of brought those two things together for me, yeah. I guess. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you want to, you want to jump into it then? Yeah. Let's yeah. hop into it. Uh, to catch you up, if you are not aware, here's what is coming before our selection today. Yeah. At the bottom of the barrel, I had also real quick. Do you know German at all? I'm looking no. for someone that knows German. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh, terrible at it. The, well, so, I have I have noted the ones that are. Um, are you going to go down the whole list? Before no, I, I was just going to going to give the, the three before this one. Good. Uh, all right, yeah, so yeah, we've yeah. got Silip Dich. Yeah. Come give me deine Hand. Mister Moonlight. Yeah. Which brings us to number two hundred and twenty. P.S. I love you. As I write this letter, send my love to you. Remember that I'll always be in love with you. Treasure these few words till we're together. Keep all my love forever. P.S. I love you. I think this. I think that is egregious. Egregious. Yes, I love you. Deserves to be at least two hundred and nineteen. All right. Well, before we get into egregiousness, so a little bit of back history on this song for our listeners. So, end of April, early May, nineteen sixty-two. Brian Epstein telegrams the boys who are on tour. To let them know he has finally, finally secured them a record deal and encourages them to start working on some new material. So the boys get to work on this new material. Paul comes up with a lovely little ditty entitled P.S. I Love You. Now, John claims that Paul was trying to write something similar to the Shirelle Soldier Boy, uh, which had been a hit uh, recently and was also part of the band's live show at the time. Um, mm. It was one of the tracks that they performed for George Martin on their demonstration session June 6th of that year um, and then resurrected in September where interestingly enough George actually left his assistant Ron Richards in charge to produce the session uh, but left Ron with the immortal direction to inform the boys that they would be using session drummer Andy White on this right record. I did read that yeah I did read that That's... and poor Ringo got stuck playing maracas right right <laughs> he plays the shit out of those maracas though man it's a nice maraca feel a nice, a nice steady beat with the maracas. <laughs> he really just he goes, <laughs> really well. Uh, That's underrated. And it's not like you could play it one measure and just loop it. Like right. You've you got to really nail it. <laughs> and just and just to give you an idea of how good he is at the maracas, the track was completed live in 10 takes. No overdubs. You're hearing Ringo's live maraca track. Wow. Nice. Yep. Nice. So uh, now at first, actually, P.S. I Love You was in the running to be the A-side for their debut single, which is kind of mind-blowing, considering that the Beatles are supposed to be a rock and roll band, and they've spent all this time in the trenches in leather being a sweaty right. rock and roll band. Right. And right. I would hardly call this song a rock and roll song. So eventually, Cooler Heads prevailed and delegated this track to the B-side, uh, but that was actually only done because Ron Richards knew that there was a jazz song out also called P.S. I Love You. Uh, which had been recorded by Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra, um, and thought it might be smart to avoid any unintended confusion. Oh, a, co- a completely different song? Totally different song, same oh, title, wow. arguably oh, a better song, in my opinion. Dear, I thought I'd drop a line The weather's cool The folks are fine I'm in bed each night at nine. P.S. I love you. Um, so my thoughts on this song, why I have it where I have it. I was, tr- I've been, 
hemming and hawing with how to best describe this song. It's just a little too twee for my liking. No, um, it's twee. It, <laughs> it doesn't deliver any of the things I'm looking for out of a Beatles song other than like a pleasant melody. And it's not even really their best melody or one of the best melodies. So I never really like go reach for this song. Um, mm-hmm. No real substance to it. It's got kind of a schmaltzy lyric. I feel like this may be one of the only Beatles songs I don't have the courage to drive around with the windows down and the song cranked up. <laughs> like, I feel like that's inviting just like a baseball bat to the window. <laughs> like, oh, that's a severe reaction. <laughs> that's well, that's it's just that's kind of a meh song to me. Mm. I, I mean, I've just never, never gravitated to this song. Now there are some cool things about it. Um, the chord structure in the chorus is really good. Some surprising moves um, that you really don't anticipate from a pop band in 1962, mm-hmm. 63. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the vocal interjections in that last verse where, uh, you know, as I write this letter, oh, like John and Paul and George do different interjections there. Those are yeah. kind of cool. I enjoy that part. Um, I also like the kind of like early Beastie Boys harmony thing where they're just like doing right. like one word at the starter end of the line. Of, of, you one, know, like, right, right. Yeah, I think that's kind of nice. But on the whole... They picked I, that up from the Beastie Boys. They did. Yeah, this <laughs> I was going to say that I, I love their influence from the Beastie Boys. That's good. When you go back and listen to like Ad Rock's real early stuff, you, just, you can tell where the where the Beatles got it from. Right. right. But they they repaid the favor on Paul's boutique, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, so yeah. So long story short, I've really never cared for this song. I don't. I'm not going to say I dislike it because I do contend that there are no bad Beatles songs. <laughs> you say this, your total voice is so begrudging right now. I love it. I love it. I'm, I love in it. real time, I'm debating should this song have been before Sleep Deek? <laughs> but, but, but the episodes are already up. So, <laughs> so onward and upward. Now, we're, <laughs> we're four songs in and you're already reconsidering your already, list. This is trouble. This is going to be bad. <laughs> I'm glad it beat Mr. Moonlight. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Now, you see, the way you're describing this is kind of how I feel about Mr. Moonlight, where it's like, if there's nothing that really offends me about it. I just don't really like it much. Right. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, that's fair. Are, are you finished? With I, I'm finished. I, I, <laughs> you may reclaim your time, sir. <laughs> I'm reclaiming my time. I'm reclaiming my the time. The floor is yours. Well, well, okay, so this is a case where I, uh, you know, I'm very much an instrumentalist, which mm-hmm. I tr- kind of fight against where I don't, I'm one of these people who doesn't listen to lyrics. Now, that benefits my reception of this song, my appreciation sure. of this song. Because I, I agree, the, the lyric, even for 1960s pop love song standards, is it's it's twee, and yeah. that's a great word. I've never you I've never really used that word. But <laughs> God, it's it's perfect. It is so twee. Paul has a way. He walks this line of like too twee, and in his mm-hmm. younger years, he you know he doesn't he he it's a little offensive sometimes honestly <laughs> like i'd have rather them done you know that song um the one uh i lost my little girl that's like yeah. one of the first things he ever wrote yeah. at like 16 yeah. he did it on like his mtv unplugged thing Unplugged, i'd almost rather right. have that on yeah. the record like because that's well, got some okay, cool harmonies so, to it but. now okay so what saves the song though is that is are, are these interesting chords that you're talking about mm-hmm. and you know, anyone else would take these lyrics and, and go and with full confidence go, oh, I got this song and just do it one, four, five, maybe, you know, a minor six in there and and call it a day. But this mm. song is just the chord changes are so interesting. And I guess when I really started, when I first heard the song, it, it it's so sneaky, like it passes you by as if it's a generic song. Which is and funny because not... if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, Dave and I got asked to play acoustic at a private party a couple of weeks ago, um, which was a whole other story because we're in the midst of a pandemic and we played yeah. at a party. But we were we were distanced from people and it, it felt safe enough. Very responsible. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I we said, well, let's do P.S. I Love You because we already knew we were going to do this episode. And then 
I just learned the song. Thinking, oh god, this is just this is easy as pie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "You're missing the chords, dude." Like I just never registered that there was like not this the tricky... chords. You're missing the chord. The chord. Ooh, I didn't even that, catch like that, the that. tricky chord <laughs> in the song. Look at you thinking you're all slick. I thought I was totally slick. I'm like, this is easy as pie, easy two it. minutes. Oh, Mr. Blew Beatles, it. man. Mr. Beatles. <laughs> I've got a podcast. <laughs> no, to Jonathan's credit, he does not read off of lyric sheets. And as much as I love these songs, I just cannot keep all the words. I can't keep all the words straight. But you generally know the, the chords, which is good, because then I'm like, oh, I don't know how to play this song. I forgot. And then you, <laughs> as long as you me. keep that. Keep that sweet voice going. I'll play the chords, <laughs> buddy. Beautiful. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, it's like you hear the word. The words are look. The words you could argue they're garbage. Let's just let's just say <laughs> just that. Cut there's, to the quick on it. There's nothing. There's nothing great about the the lyrics, and it's kind of typical Paul. But this is a this is this case, a case of this like. Like I say, it sounds like this kind of generic love song, and then you get into the structure of it, and it's just so interesting. And it's almost better that it's it sounds like a throwaway love song, or a pop song. I don't know. It kind of sweetens it a little bit that it's so deceptive, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas when you hear Giant Steps, immediately you're like, that is insane. I don't know what's going on in that. Get it away from me. At least that's that's my feeling of towards jazz in general <laughs> but it it, it, it it this was just one of the it's like one of the first times i'm like oh my god you can you can sing a pretty melody and have really interesting chords on right. it i just love that i just love that um this is sort of like a like say. a spoonful of sugar like, exactly we're yeah. gonna we're gonna mask this like really complex yeah song. well not really yeah. complex but somewhat a complex song just with make just it a little like, mo- yeah just change sugarcoat it, up a little. it yeah yep yep mm-hmm. and, and maybe so it's not such a slog to play when we play it live maybe we'll make it a little more fun to bo- to play it uh, also there's this you know i remember reading the beals anthology and hearing this this myth uh, and uh, it could very well be true of of the lads hearing about a guy across town who knew some chord yeah and they would drive across town to to go hang out with the guy and learn the chord in fact you know sometimes we'd travel the whole of liverpool just to go to someone who knew a chord we didn't know um remember once hearing about a bloke who knew b7 now we knew e and we knew a it was quite easy but we didn't knew b7 we didn't know b7 that was kind of the missing part the link, the other chord, the last chord. So on we got on the bus, trooped across Liverpool, changed a couple of buses, found this fella, and he showed us dum, 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 B7. We learned it off him, got back on the bus, went home to our mates and went, zing, got it. And then immediately put it in one of their songs. I mean, you know, they were writing constantly. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, this that second chord, it just seems like, they had G to D and then they heard about this guy. They went and hung out with them, partied with them. And they're, they're like, we learned this crazy, you know, G C sharp seven D let's just ram a C sharp seven <laughs> in between the G and the D. I mean, it really, and then they only do it on the intro, which is so weird, but the other times, you know, uh, as I write this letter, it's it's kind of the same section but they only go g to d mm-hmm. and for some reason they wanted to do this weird chord in the intro and look for my own band i feel like when we try to do that it it kills a a pretty song right so i i know firsthand that it's like that's such a dangerous thing to do to go oh i know this this diminished chord and it's going to sound great in this song you just brought to me. And then it ruins the friggin' song because it's all you, all you kind of hear. And so again, I'm impressed by how they're able to put this in. And it's like still just this sweet Paul, you know, and people who don't know about music, they don't hear it, which is awesome. That's the best, you know, to me, good design and good, good execution is like, you don't notice it. It's, it's just, there doing is. what it doing what it does and it's not noticeable yeah. so you know try to play a blues song 
but add like a diminished chord in the middle of it. It's going to ruin your blues, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, I just love that they kind of, he puts it in and it's so, it's just so slick. And not that it's such a great song because it's, we're in the 220s here, pal. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not, all, you know, I, I, it's going to be rough in the, in the top 100. That's going to get, that's going to get. So it's not that I think this is such a great song. It's just, well, you know, you only gave me a few choices to, to pick. The good thing is that I've got 200 <laughs> more. I've got no, 200 and, or 19 more songs to do. Yeah. So yeah. I'll have you back, dude. <laughs> like, yes. I don't know that many people. <laughs> right. I want to be for like 171. Can you get me back like at 171? 171? I think we can make it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to make a note of that. Like no, specifically 171. So, right. God, I hope Whatever you hate that is. song. I hope you hate it. So it's it's not that I it's not that I think this is such a groundbreaking song. It's just it it was a little glimpse this early, what did you say 62? Yeah. It's just such a great glimpse into like what was about to happen. Yeah. You know, like they're not playing G, C, and D, you know, mm-hmm. like there was more going on. And yet this you could put this song on the radio and it sounds perfectly fine against all of the other songs that no one has. You know, if you put whatever else was on the radio with P.S. I love you, it's like you probably I don't know. It, it's just I like how it's a little preview of what was to come. You yeah. know, I definitely feel that my ambivalence towards the song and kind of general like dislike have masked the things about it that I think make it interesting. Cause even, are you a lyric guy? Are you a lyric guy? Do you listen to lyrics first? Um, I think I listen to melody first. Okay. Um, and lyrics come second, usually from me. Um, but even just, you know, a few weeks ago when we we were going to play that song for the first time and I learned it, the trickiness went right past my, like, just right over my head. Right. Like, I, it didn't even register to me until you and I, like, ran it's, through it and you were like, dude, yeah. you're totally blown. <laughs> I was like, well, shut up. What? No way. It's just, because it sounds fine. Just go Yeah, G you could to totally sneak, that- like, just totally, like, blow through it and never know. Um, yeah, and but, to me, that's a testament to Paul to yeah to the those guys that it, you did like like I said you didn't you didn't even notice it. That's why um, you know that's why he's Paul, and that's why I'm talking about Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that line is very fine. Very is it line. fine? That's eh, probably pretty fucking wild. <laughs> let's call it a canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A small fissure. So fissure? so do you think? Okay, so so do you think that at number two twenty, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I'm right? Where would you put it on oh, your list? Well, when I when you said you were doing this, I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. He's like ranking all the Beatles songs, and then when I you, when I saw the numbers, I was like, oh god, I don't envy him at all. This like, is going to go is, forever. It's, it's a lot, and it's so many. I I don't know. I I don't honestly. Maybe it's perfectly placed. I, I don't know. I guess I would have to make a list of all the songs that I really don't care for. Yeah. You know, to, just to know, like, how many of those there are. And then I would know better songs like this, where it's like, this is not my favorite Beatles song by any stretch, but, like, I do enjoy it. So I would have to see, like, I don't know. I haven't done my own ranking, I guess. So it's hard for me to answer that. Fair enough. I think I think that's a pretty fair answer. I can go with that. Okay. How do you compare the legacy of this song to the infamous P.S. Love Me Do? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still kind of in shock by hearing this. Uh, you know, we, y'all had me listen to I had never heard it before. So we just did a, 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 a listening before we started recording. And I, I, I really, I think I've blocked it out completely. (laughs) Probably the wise move. So if if, for our listeners who maybe don't know what PS love me do is savor this time that you've had, because you're about to have your world (laughs) crumbled before you.
at some point in the late 80s, uh, Paul was going to make a record called Return to Pepperland, uh, which it eventually, you can Google the history of it. It got squashed. Or not. I am, this is all new to me, so I, I need to go do some research. Yeah, after it's, this. he has so many unfinished, like, theory albums. It's kind of bonkers. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to make this record. And then he, like, halfway through stops and, like, switches gears. Um, he he had the co- he acquired the copyrights to two songs in the Beatles catalog, "Love Me Do" and "P.S. I Love You." And so he did a modern for the time uh, rethink <laughs> mashup of the two, and um, yeah, it was going to be on "Return to Pepperland." He did a he, I think he performed it like twice. I think it was in like Brazil, and they filmed it. And then there was like a televised tribute to John Lennon at some point. And so they oh, asked Paul, do you want to contribute something? And he no, contributed he this goddamn video. And it's Paul, <laughs> no instrument, no bass, no guitar, not a piano, but just holding the mic, doing the lead singer thing, hand clapping, jumping around. It's so awkward. He's so uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I think, I think he learned real fast that that was not what he need. what a, 50 or 40 something year old guy should have been doing. Um, Do you mean to tell me that Paul McCartney made a bad thing in the 80s? <laughs> Are you going to sit there and tell me? <laughs> nice. That is a catchphrase. I love that. I love that. I love, I love it. That. It's, uh, it's, I, I'm going to have like an ultimate cage match episode to rank that show versus Spies Like Us. Ooh. That's yeah. like deathmatch show. Okay. I, you know, I, I will say my my assessment of it. It's it's produced. Oh yeah, he produced it. That's it. That's he it. It's, it is it, it is produced. <laughs> like he did some producing on that thing. Yeah. When I watched uh, it, it, I told Jonathan, I was like, I feel like Andrew McCarthy is about to pull up in a BMW and like a pale pink polo <laughs> with a popped collar. Like any second now, this is about to happen. Yeah. Like Molly Ringwald is going to show up. Right, like, it right. was just... Meshach Taylor's in the was, house. Yeah, it was like so blatantly 80s. Yeah. Just like aggressively 80s. <laughs> so when, when Michael Jackson died, we were in... Uh, Sketch was touring in South Florida and we had a long drive home. And Andre and I were driving and, and uh, co-piloting and we decided to celebrate Michael Jackson's entire catalog Oof. on the ride home. And by the time we got to New Orleans East, we were like, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> did you start you know? did you start back with the Jackson five or just solo Michael? I think we just did solo Michael. And it, it's the it's the same kind of thing. Like Paul obviously has so many amazing songs hits even mm-hmm. you know he has amazing songs and then he has freaking hits on top of that and then mega hits on top of that well no one knows about all the stuff underneath that right and it's i, I feel like <laughs> it's kind of the same with michael jackson you know it's like he has the well-known songs so it would be interesting to listen to everything paul's ever done and yeah there's there's gonna be in the 80s Ooh, that's tough. That's yeah. a tough one. It was a tough decade. <laughs> and see, I think this is a good spinoff podcast because my lovely wife here is maybe more of a Wings fan than a Beatles fan. Is really? that safe to say? I mean, you're a Wings fan. I love Wings. Nice. She's an unabashed nice. Wings fan. This one's for the Wings fan. You see, I have not delved yet. I, I really have not. It's like everything I've heard, I'm like, ooh, that's going to take some work. there will be no wings disrespect on this podcast (laughs) i'm I'm just saying i have not dipped my toe in Uh, i haven't you know i haven't really gone besides the obvious hits i haven't gone i mean just like just put on band on the run and live your best life i'm i know your best life man yeah, I mean, Band on the Run, why do I, I guess I don't associate that with Wings just because it's such a big hit of his that he kind of took it back yeah. after Wings. Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, I guess I don't associate with Wings because he's still, that's still such a a, a song that he, he performs still. Does he perform a lot of Wings too? He does to like the day? hits. Like he'll do Band on the Run, Jet, um, 1985. Jet, right. Um, oh, that I don't know. I don't know that song. Um, 
fix Call it. me back again. Um, listen to what the man says. Um, yeah, we've heard a yeah, few the yeah. couple times we've seen him. Who? What? What is? Uh, yeah. Someone's yep. knocking at the Let door. him in. That's that's a wing Somebody song. That was one of the ones. Let him in. I, 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 that yeah. was one of the ones I sang at the McCartney tribute that we did when we first met, and I had such a good time singing that song. Right, it's just right, such a right. fun song to play. It's so good. Yeah. That's a cool. I like. See? I like that song. Wings is amazing. Like You're welcome. <laughs> let me just let me rekindle that <laughs> you love for what? you. I gotta I love it. I'm gonna delve. Yes. I'm gonna delve. Yes. I need something new. Beautiful. Next time I see I you, I want you to be new. wearing a wings T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we have this long-running joke that we're gonna All start right. our own husband like, and wife band called Wangs. <laughs> and the logo is just gonna be fallacies in the shape of a W. It's going to be great. Well, Dave, before we let you go, man, uh, can we throw some rapid fire questions your way? You ready? Ooh, okay. Uh, I'm kind of slow. So right, we'll, we'll, we'll go medium fire. fire. Medium fire. <laughs> A medium okay. flow. Like a yoga class. All right. Favorite Beatles song? Oh, come on, man. Uh, you know, when I'm 64, kind of fills that just because it really was the the it was like the the edge of the cliff before I really yeah fell in. Um, uh, it's so hard. I, I feel like um, here, there, and everywhere is just. I think it's just one of the most perfect mm-hmm. songs. Um, there. I mean, not that. Okay, well, I'm just gonna. I was gonna say it has that, that, uh, that mm-hmm. symmetry to it. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this with the Beatles, but like the way that they do the the first verse and then the chorus and then they do the second verse and then a chorus and then it'll be a bridge and then they'll go back maybe back to the first verse and it just has that like I said mm-hmm. that tight songwriting thing. Here, there, and everywhere is a perfect example. I feel like "P.S. I Love You" is a great example of just the form of the song. It's so neat how it all fits together. Like it, it's almost like uh, it seems. It's one of those things where it seems inevitable. Like it can't be right. done another way. Yeah. You know. So I, I love that about. I think "Here, There, and Ever" and mm. "I Will" yeah. is another one. Um, just it's like he he just grabbed these songs out of the air like they already existed, you know, like you've heard them before. That's one of the things um, a lot of songwriters say, you know, is the whole idea of like, you know, songs are kind of like fish. You just have to keep your rod yeah. in the water until you catch one, and or like yeah. they just exist in you the ether, and they, yeah. you just the one that they come through, you know. I love that. I, I and I I. I <clears throat> I don't know that I've ever had that experience as a songwriter. It just seems hard, difficult, backbreaking, heartbreaking (laughs) work. (laughs) You know, with with Paul, it's with Paul, it just seems so easy. I love that. Um, So I guess I lean more towards the love songs, just because I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, I guess I'd say. When I'm 64 or here, there, and everywhere, okay, okay. I love Silly love too. songs? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> nice. You're welcome. Nice. You're welcome. Well done. Nice. Equally as hard question, <laughs> your least favorite Beatles song. Maybe not equally as hard. I think George's, or as much as I love George's mm-hmm. later stuff, his early stuff kind of bummed me out the lyrical content was always pretty negative and I thought I think Love You Too mm. might be my least favorite ah, Beatles okay. song so now I'm not gonna I don't wanna call, I'm not gonna let out what number that is but when I first posted about that song on my own Facebook I got some serious heat for having that song be as low really? as I did I got real heat wow. about okay. that okay <laughs> that's I love it I mean yeah. look controversy that's okay. good that's good uh, it's just, uh, uh, you know, within you, without you is, I think that might be some of my favorite Beatles yeah. lyrics ever. I think it's really great lyrics, really great use of the, the Indian musicians mm-hmm. and instruments and love you too, just does not get there. It It's like, doesn't even get close to what they did 
with within you without you. Like, I feel like it's not only not a good song, but the trying to put the Indian stuff on it, like crashed yeah. and burned as well. So the, so the production <clears throat> and the instrumentation failed as well from, in my opinion, as the song. Okay. Did, you know? Okay. So I can, I can, I, I can, I can pick up what you're putting. But down. I would look, I, I'd love, I would love, I, I, I hope you have someone on that like really like stands behind love you too i would love to hear someone passionately <laughs> stay, tuned. Awesome. stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned dear listeners <laughs> uh favorite beatles album favorite album i i want to say abbey road i don't think there's anything on it that i don't enjoy even <laughs> octopus's mm-hmm. garden Agreed. i like i i can't believe it you know because I, I you know ringo is his songs are Ringo's songs, and I actually think it's interesting. I think they make it; they mm-hmm. make that song really interesting. Um, uh, uh, and then, of course, the the beat, the 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 uh, second side, how they kind of put everything together. I think it's some of Paul's best songwriting. Um, I, I I don't know, and and what I love, and it's also where George really like. Came yeah. came into his own, um, and then kind of, that kind of blended into into all mm-hmm. things must pass, which I think is an incredible yeah. album. So if you're a George fan, I think Abbey Road is super important. You yeah, know, lead I, I up can, to his that. solo career. That's really like his coming out party. Um, yeah, it totally, totally. Um, and then also to think about how much of a disaster Let It Be. Mm-hmm. seems to have been and to come back and do something as great as Abbey Road I mean I it's it's almost like they knew they were done so they kind of put aside their differences I don't know I don't really know a lot of the history they of talk how about it, it now as like was, you know I think back in the anthology they're kind of saying you know we well we kind of knew that was the end of the road but then there's also tapes yeah. that have come out in the last few years, like tapes of meetings after Abbey Road, where they're talking about the next project. And like, you know, and, really? p- and people are still oh, wow. invested in it. That. They want to make another th- another record, um, but they're trying to figure out the way to go forward. Right. And, you know, things kind of fall apart pretty quickly from that. But yeah, it, it seems now like things have come out where like they're not necessarily making that record under the guise of this is it. Um, but you have to wonder if to some extent yeah. they figured, well, you know, just... maybe we're on borrowed time or they had such a bad time making, let it be, you know, something, ha- I know something, it, I guess it could be either good or bad, but like the, the, the vibe of let it be how mm-hmm. unfinished it is. And, you know, Phil Spector putting all that, all that crap on it. Um, and then just songs like Dig It. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, you wrote some stuff about Dig It, how it's just such a weird little piece of a, a thing and where there's pieces of songs on Abbey Road, but I guess it Paul took it upon itself to to mesh mesh it with others other things. I guess you could argue Mean Mr. Mustard is just a little piece of something, but it's it it was made to to be part mm-hmm. of this bigger thing. So I don't know what magic happened. But I think Abbey Road is just, it's incredible. I think it's incredible. I, I think Rubber Soul is where it really, you can start, it, it's starting to get interesting. So I've always had a real soft spot for Rubber Soul because it's it's, to me, it's the departure point yeah. from their old sound. Least favorite album, or at least, maybe not least favorite, but like the one you go to the least. Probably, I guess, Let It Be, yeah. I go to the least. And I, there's some <clears> really <throat> great songs on it, but I don't know why. I don't, it just say, it just sounds so, uh, it sounds so raw. And I guess that's kind of cool. Like, I've got a feeling I love mm-hmm. the raw sound of it. But uh, but it's just, you listen to Abbey Road, and it just is so tight and so, so perfect. And, and Let It Be just kind of, I guess I associate it with them there's videos of them in the studio and they're just, they just look pissed off and Yoko's sitting there looking all sat, you know, <laughs> Yoko. And <laughs> I guess I associated with that, with that, 
Don't be smeech my girl, dude. <laughs> kind of low point in there. <laughs> I love Yoko. I'm pro Yoko. <laughs> pro Yoko. Um, this is a pro Yoko pro podcast. Yoko podcast. <laughs> Hot love take. It. I like it. I like it. Um, no, I don't think she broke up. The no, 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 no. Yes. I don't I like when you. people say it. I don't like when people say that. Um, but so, yeah, I think let it be. It just is. It just is a mess. I think they just mm-hmm. walked away from it. I, I don't I don't know how you wouldn't say let it be as a Beatles fan. To me, no one liked it. It's not like I don't know. I mean, I, there's great songs on it, but as an album, it just does not. It doesn't. It's not cohesive yeah. like all okay. the other ones. I can so, see that. I don't know. Uh, this is probably my favorite question <clears throat> on on the podcast. Your favorite memory yeah. associated with a Beatles song? Uh, okay, so we. I think this would be it. We uh, after Katrina, you know, we we had the Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes had this kind of attitude where well there's no work in new orleans so we might as well mm-hmm. stay on the road and it it turned out to be a really bad idea because it almost broke us up and after six weeks on the road and like we had we didn't know what was going on in new orleans and it, like yes we were able to play on the road but it was it was personally it was a it was a yeah. really rough time you know so so we pulled into a, a gig in houston to open mm-hmm. up for the radiators and uh i guess I, the memory i have of that show is being backstage with dave malone and camille and reggie and mark andre and i had been singing we didn't perform it but we had been mm-hmm. singing because and and like we really got off on like learning the, the three parts the three yeah. harmony parts you know so we had been singing it as kind of like a warm-up just for the night and so I remember being backstage with the Rads and like we were doing it and Dave was just loving it. You know, Dave loves harmonies. And uh, and I just remember, I, I don't know why that stands out, but I just remember the feeling of like singing because and like the rat, the radiators guys mm-hmm. were like loving it. <laughs> y- you know, um, I guess that's one that jumps out. I, I'm sure there's other. That's a good one, though. Johnson, that's great. But- yeah, that was really a warm. It was such especially a cool to have like a know. really good moment great... like that in the midst of like a run that's real tough. Like a six week run for any really any it... band at any time is tough, but especially like totally. post Katrina when like no one knows what's happening and everything's just in total and it was, disarray. And it was so it was so it was so like young, you know, kind of just like oh well we yeah. gotta stay out on the road you know, of course we have to like there's no reason to go home like, it was, mm-hmm. we were so confident in like oh well we'll just stay on the road and it'll <laughs> be awesome it'll be so fun and it, it was like it was really a, a yeah. low point you know and plus you were like with other New Orleans musicians you know who you could like right. it was yeah, a reunion you could, like, of sorts sort of commiserate so. with and like they understood what you were yeah. feeling what you mm-hmm. were all feeling at that moment of also totally. being from New Orleans, also being on the road, and just like, what what the totally. fuck is our lives now? Like, what what are we doing? How do we yeah. even go on from here? Yeah. This is the one thing that we know how to do without really thinking about it too hard. So we're just going to do that and like try and get by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Julia, Julia, you're right. And when you would see, I don't know, when we would see New Orleans people Ugh. outside of New Orleans and we hadn't been home yet, it was like we yes. it was like you were home. It was like such a yeah, amazing definitely. feeling. Like you know? we we had so, evacuated yeah, to right. Lafayette right. and like anytime I saw people from New Orleans, whether I knew them or not, like if I found out someone's from New Orleans, I'm just like, yeah. How are right. you? Right. How's your family? Right. What's going on? <laughs> blah blah blah. Tell me yeah. your life. You know, it was just like totally. such a connection because like totally. no one else knew what we felt like at that point in time. Like no one else in the yeah. world could yeah. understand how we felt. Yeah. So um you just like yeah. whether you knew the person or not, you had an immediate bond, you know, that's it. That's how it was. Yeah, totally. Dave, this has been great, my friend. I hope you've enjoyed it. What do you have uh, going on in Dave land right now? Anything you want to plug for the listeners out there? (laughs) 
No, I, I <laughs> I'm doing nothing. I, I told them if they were looking for bass lessons, I, they should hit I you really up. Am, we can do Zoom bass lessons. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm teaching. I'm very lucky to be able to teach guitar and bass lessons and do it over mm-hmm. FaceTime and Zoom. But um, I've been kind of cautious about stepping into the live streaming yeah. performing thing just because it's so new and I want to do it right. And um, I'm kind of, I've even thought, you know, relevant to this, I I think I I would love to do some Beatles stuff. You know, just, I I just think everyone, it's just such a a crowd pleaser. You know, we're, we have, we have the walrus. There is no other band that I could, I could play Mm their only their stuff. Yeah. You know, there's no band that I love that much to like really get into doing it. So I just think it, it would be uh, I, I need to get in front of the get in front of the phone and do it because I, I think it's it would be comforting yeah. for people. I don't know. You know, so I don't know. I, I'm, I need to I need to do that. This thing is not ending anytime soon. So, it, yeah, I mean, I have to I have to play music yeah. in some form so i have to get over my i have this social media kind of um aversion and i have to i feel like i have to get over it because that's kind of where it's going you know and y- well y'all put out a uh, a live johnny sketch album shortly before the lockdown right or is end of last year yeah yeah it yeah it was the end of last year yeah right. live at the maple leaf um a double, sounds fantastic. Uh, Drake gave me a copy of it. I'm, it sounds really, really good. Yeah, Eric Heigl produced it. Um, it yeah. really sounds good. And, and Maple Leaf, it's just, it's always so easy to play there. I've never had a bad show at the Maple Leaf. Um, and we have a bunch of guests and stuff. Mike Dusan's on there and Brad Walker. And, you know, we have a bunch of people joining us. Um, it's so, a good yeah, time. That's Pick about it up, it. guys. Is yeah. it on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all the good stuff? Yeah. Yes, it's streaming. Beautiful. Streaming Johnny everywhere. Sketch and the Dirty yeah. Notes. Dave Parmalat, my friend, a pleasure, a pleasure talking to you and getting to do this with you. Thank y'all so much. I think this is <laughs> such a great idea. Keep keeps you bit. You know, it gives keeps you something the old to do. Spry. You get to collaborate with. <laughs> keep the old bones spry, and you get to jump on. You know, you get to jump on the line with with other mm-hmm. musicians and friends. And I mean, what other context would I be talking to Julia and John? You know, like this is wow. a great. You know, well, well I think I bring I a lot it. to the podcast. Honestly, you're the breakout star <laughs> of the podcast. Oh, you're you're like yeah, you're you're like. <laughs> 80%. Julia, this is I'm not a saying. case of with me as always is good. <laughs> you had the catchphrase. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you guys are you got the well, I've, I've got you. I've got you penciled in for, was it 171? <laughs> yes. We'll have you back 171. for 171. You got it. That's all right, man. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. Bye, Dave. Later, bro. Thanks so much, you guys. Dave Parmalau, everybody. So fun. That was fun. That was a Whew, treat. That was a good one. I feel like we haven't laughed that much in a few days. It was a good... Yeah. A good giggle fest. It's a good one. I like it. And I will say, I, I think he's given me some interesting fat to chew on in my consideration of P.S. I Love You. I think I need to go. I, I want to go re-listen to it. And I want you to tell me about this chord. Because friends out there, I am not a musician. So I am one of those people when Dave mentioned that like people that are musicians miss this stuff. That's me. So a quick explanation is the way that... An, a basic, like, simpleton songwriter like me would write the song mm-hmm. would be As I write this letter, send my love to you. Just basic chords, right? G to A to D. Okay. So, what, what Paul does is he comes up with G to this C sharp seven. Oh. So it's, as I write this letter, send my love to you. It's just a weird thing you would never think to do. Mm. But then when they come back on the second verse, he just stays on the G. So it's, um, as I write this letter, it just stays on G for the, every other time they go there. They only do it in the first go-round. It's just a weird little thing. It's like one of the weird, interesting little beetle-y things that make them the Beatles. 
and make everybody else everybody else. <laughs> so, well, this was a good one. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, check out Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes when you get some time. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed the show as always. If you did, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Ranking the Beatles. And uh, if you have a suggestion of a person you would like to hear us talk to, shoot us an email at rankingthebeatles at gmail.com. Holler at your boy and girl, and we will see what we can work out. Um, well, you guys have a great week, and we will see you again next week. We won't see you, but we'll see you in your ear holes. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's about the best I got for you. Um, yeah. All right. Have a great uh, week, everybody. My name is Jonathan. I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.